You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. Good Saturday morning to you, everybody, and welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Rob, good morning. Good morning, Gary. How are you? You know, it's a daily struggle, brother. It, I'm, I'm doing my best to hang in there over here. Uh, how about you? It's also a daily struggle here. Yeah. Lots of good things going on. Lots of challenges. We just got to get through it the best we can well, every day. You know what they say? One day at a time, right? That's how you got to look at <laughs> it. True. Yep. Yeah, you got yeah. it. You got it. How was your week? The week was good. It was really good. And uh, actually had quite a few first-time buyers getting in touch with me and first-time refinancers, people that bought six months, a year ago. They're starting to think about refinancing. Yeah. So I thought a great topic for today's episode would be to talk about really common questions, common first-time buyer Ooh. and refinancing questions. And I want to also hone in on the initial mortgage consultation that people get so worked up about. That's Listen, that's a great topic. And I've actually even thought of of this in the in, oh my goodness probably several past shows that we've done about typical questions that people ask you or whether whether even they're at their initial consultation or even through email or over the phone mm-hmm. it's like well I, how do I what do I I mean even to the point where not many people know what a mortgage advisor is that they if they were to just go to a you know, the average person would just go to their bank, you know, and, and say, hey, what are your rate? Or look at mm-hmm. the look at the Sunday paper or the mm-hmm. Friday paper, you know, and, and, and say, well, what are the interest rates this week? You know, and a lot of people do that and they get they and don't they go to realize, that bank. With, yeah, the they lowest. do all that and they don't even realize they're getting, you know, selling themselves short uh, of maybe a great experience or great advice. You're an advisor. Are you also a mortgage lender? Yeah, I'm a direct lender. That's exactly what I do. So the idea is that we can take the advice and implement it. You know, the advice is one thing. If you don't do anything with it, it yeah. doesn't mean anything. That's a, that's a great point. So then what is the purpose of, of a mortgage consultation? So there's really two parts to a mortgage consultation. There's going to be an initial application or like an information gathering stage when we'll discuss your needs, your goals. Why are you looking for a mortgage? How can a mortgage help you uh, in your situation? So that's really going to be the initial consultation. It's usually going to be a phone call that we're going to have a Zoom meeting or an in-person meeting to go over all that. And then the second part of the consultation is going to be the actual strategy or what I call a mortgage mortgage planning session where you can take all the information, all your goals, your wants, everything that you're looking to do, and now turn that into a personal strategy. Uh, It's not one size fits all like many people think. Uh, It has to be customized to you because if it's not, you're not going to have the best loan for your needs. That's a guarantee. So I think when it comes to that consultation, that initial approach to a mortgage lender, to a loan officer or a mortgage advisor, it's going to depend on whether you're looking to purchase a home or refinance. Those are the two reasons that you're going to approach a mortgage advisor. 
And when it comes to the home purchase, that initial consultation, what we're going to want to hone in on is how much can you get approved for? We don't want you looking at half a million dollar homes if you're only approved for 200000 Huge mistake a lot of people make. So that's really the, the meat of that initial uh, consultation is to get the information that we need to see what are you approved for? How much can you afford? Or maybe you're not even in the right spot yet. Maybe you have credit challenges. You don't have enough money for a down payment. Well, how do we get you where you need to go? And I have right now this month, multiple home buyers that I've been working with for over a year. One actually I've been working with since 2017 and they are only closing on their home now because when they came to me, they had major credit challenges. Their credit was in the low 500s. They had major income issues. They were self-employed and barely showed any money on paper. They didn't realize that to get a conventional loan, you actually had to show you know, income on paper. They uh, were born out of this country. They don't speak great English. They don't have a very good understanding of the local mortgage market a real estate market. So they really needed somebody to help guide them from low credit and no money and little income to where they want to be. So for them, it's taken, you know, three to four years to get to the point where they finally are now, where they're closing on their dream home. It's actually an investment slash primary residence, a two family home there in Middletown that they're closing on. And they would have never gotten that years ago. And when they went to the first lender before me, they were told, nope, we can't help you. It was only when they found me as an advisor that I was able to give them the right approach with that. So we got a game plan together and said, here's how much money you need to save. Let's check that box. Here's what we need you to do with your credit to get you to an acceptable level. We check that box. And then here's what we need you to do from an income standpoint, because again, they're self-employed. Here's what we're going to need in order to actually get you approved for the type of loan that you're looking for, for the amount that you're looking for. So that's really what you can expect on the home purchase side with that initial consultation. Now, if you're somebody refinancing either a primary home, a second home or investment property, it's going to be a little bit of a different approach because you already have a mortgage typically at that point. So we're going to want to find out how much money can you save through refinancing. You know, a lot of people approach a mortgage advisor or lender to say, I have this high of an interest rate, or here's my scenario. I have a 15 year mortgage. I want to switch to a 30 year or different ideas. They have a motive of why they're coming to the table to look at a new mortgage. So we want to find out how much money can you save? What are your motives? What are your goals? How can a mortgage play in with those? And then on that second call, that mortgage strategy call, that's when we can actually say, here's what you can accomplish through refinancing. Here's how much money you can save by doing what you want to do. But here's some other ideas as well. You know, like I've talked about, some people come saying, I want a 15-year loan, but I say, wait, what if we did a 20-year loan instead? Here's what you could do. I like to show my clients multiple options, different approaches, and a lot of the time, I will have their light bulb going off in their head when I bring an idea or strategy to them they may not have even heard of or even considered before. Uh. That happens all the time. And then we can answer that question. Is it worth refinancing your home right now? And how much money can you save or what can you accomplish by doing that? Being self-employed, Rob, is such a double-edged sword because it's particularly when you're dealing with a cash business, you know, and I don't want to get into what people claim mm -hmm. or not claim. Mm -hmm. That's that's not the purpose of this show. And I don't know. Those are personal decisions that people make. They're certainly not going to share it with me, but they think the less that they claim and the more that they put in their pocket is more beneficial to them because they may not get taxed on it and yada, yada, yada. 
But at the same time, they're showing a lower income, and that's going to come back and bite them if they're going to go for a mortgage or even a loan. It happens all the time. You know, people, when you're self-employed, one of the biggest reasons people start businesses is for the tax deductibility. You know, I've seen multiple times lately that Amazon pays like very little or no income tax, right? Or no, uh, you know, profit tax to the government. And it's like, how can that be? Because there's so many rules that are in favor of self-employed, that are in favor of corporations, in favor of business owners. So one of the huge reasons people go that route instead of the W-2 employee is because they see that taxation as a major advantage. They can keep more of their money and that can work out great for years. You know, it really can. And they're putting all this extra money in their pocket. They have more money to pay bills, but then the tables get turned when they go to a bank, they go to a lender, they go to a loan officer and we look at their finances and we get the documentation. And the guy that tells me on the phone that he made a hundred grand last year, on paper, he only made 30,000 yeah. or sometimes even less. I've ever hear the rumor, and maybe you can dispel this right now, uh, fits in with today's show. Uh, is it is it one hundred dollars to your towards your mortgage for every ten thousand dollars that you're borrowing? I mean, or, that could be, like I guess, an average, that... but you really can't look at it as a one size fits all like that because number one, interest rates are always changing and fluctuating, as we've discussed. Number two, everybody's situation is different. So while you may be on a thirty year loan, someone else may be on a fifteen year loan or twenty year loan. You may have an adjustable rate. Someone else has a fixed rate. There's all these different factors that come in. There's absolutely no no way to say X amount of dollars for this much money. That's why getting with the mortgage advisor or loan officer is so important because you can't use an online calculator to figure it out. Right. And I actually had a lady yesterday contact me that I've been talking with for a while and she had these numbers in her head of how much her new mortgage was going to be. She thought she knew it all because she was on her bank's website playing with their mortgage calculator and she thought that, hey, my mortgage is going to be $1,500 a month and I ran the numbers. It wasn't anywhere near that. And I said, how'd you come up with that? She said, oh, I was playing on my bank's website and that's what they came up with. So again, why it's so important to have that relationship early, establish that communication level with a trusted mortgage advisor, not just somebody randomly right, right. that you're meeting at the bank or this or that, somebody that really has the reputation and experience that can guide you. So that at what point in, in one's journey to, to buy a home or even refinance, should they meet with you or with a lender, but and should they do it by phone, by in person? Mm -hmm. what, what do you recommend? Right. So I think that there's a big there's a big amount of misinformation about when to meet with a mortgage advisor. When it comes to purchasing a home, people think, well, hey, when I'm ready to buy the home, that's when I'll get in touch with them. And then you end up getting a call from someone or an email saying, hey, I'm ready to go look at homes this weekend. I need a pre-approval. And unfortunately, and more often than not, those people aren't even ready to buy a home and their dreams get dashed. So let me handle that question up front. When it comes to buying a home, you definitely want to get with a mortgage advisor as early as you can. I've had people contact me two, three, four years ahead of time. And maybe that's a little much, but if you see any time in the future, in the next 12, 24 months, that you may even be looking to buy a home, get in touch then. Let's do kind of a... Uh feasibility exercise. Let's see where you're at with your credit. Let's see where you're at with your income, assets. Maybe you don't have what you thought you had. You know, happens all the time. I saw my credit score on Credit Karma and then a lender runs and it's 30 points lower. Well, had you gotten with a lender early enough, 
it would be an easier situation to digest. We'd be able to diagnose that and set you up with a plan. So you really want to get a game plan together for the down payment, for the closing costs, for the credit score, like we're talking about income, what debt could you pay down to get you in position? Um, there's so many different pieces of the puzzle. When someone comes to me early, I can always give them the strategy of what they need to do. Every single time I can tell them what they need to do, the only issue becomes if you're on a tight time schedule, credit doesn't update overnight. You don't save thousands of dollars for down payments and closing overnight, you need time. So the earlier you get with an advisor, the better. Then when it comes to refinancing, you want to get with them as soon as you see there might be an opportunity to refinance. As soon as you either hear something or see something that gives you the uh, ability to say, gosh, refinancing might be a good idea, that's when you want to get with that mortgage advisor to schedule a consultation so you can capitalize on the opportunity. I want to talk about documentation in one second, but differentiate for me the difference between pre-approval and approval. And let's start with maybe how long does it take to get pre-approved as opposed to what's the length of time before I'm actually officially approved? So we really refer to it in the industry as a pre-qualification okay. versus a pre-approval. So as far as what that is, pre-qualification is basically I'll run your credit, get some information from you typically by phone. We can talk about different ways to meet with an advisor in a minute. Once we get that information, we just you know look at the numbers generically and say, eh, yeah, you'd qualify for 250000 based solely on your credit report and a phone call or an information gathering. So there's no documentation, no typically, not on the pre-qualification. That's okay. why in this market, I'm not doing pre-qualifications. <laughs> We're doing full pre-approvals because you're not going to get your offer accepted if you're not going that extra step. So the pre-approval is when we get your identity verification, your asset documents, bank statements, retirement statements, W-2s, pay stubs, et cetera, tax returns and whatnot. Now I can issue a full pre-approval, give the seller on the home that you're actually buying the uh, confidence in you that you're working with somebody that knows what they're doing that's fully pre-approved you so when they accept your offer they know that there's certainty in regards to closing now going back to the other question you had about how should they meet with the advisor right, right. before covid i met with probably 30 40 percent of my clients in the office you know in person now since covid that's probably down to maybe 10 percent. so it's gone down quite a bit mm -hmm. however i would recommend that if you're somebody that that's a, a learner that's visual, that really feels better meeting with someone in person. I offer in-person consultations always to my clients. Some people, that's just better for them. They're not comfortable doing business over the phone or online, but those are the different ways. It's either going to be in person, mm. by phone, or an online consultation, which would be more email and a uh, you know online questionnaire. I, I prefer in person, but you mentioned something a moment ago about documentation. So right. what information or the documentation that you just referred to should you have just ready? ready to go to make the most of your time when someone is meeting with their, let's say with you as your mortgage advisor. Sure. So information that you're going to need up front for that initial consult is going to be the information on your employment history. We're really mainly looking at the last two years, maybe three, but typically two years of employment history. So Look at the date today, go back two years, where were you working, what were you doing, how much money were you making for the last two years? Maybe you've worked for the same place for five or 10 years, then your employment history is easy. But I had clients now, especially with the recent pandemic, that have switched jobs multiple times in the last couple of years. We need a pretty thorough analysis of that at least a ballpark. When did you start? When did you end? And what were you doing there? How much money did you make? So that's on the information side. We also want to know 
assets? What money do you have? Do you have money in a 401k, IRA, whole life insurance? Do you have equity in other properties? What other properties do you own? What are their addresses? How much are the property taxes? How much is the mortgage payment? All these different things are very, very important. And what are you looking to accomplish when it comes to buying a home or refinancing? So in the context of buying a home, do you have an idea of a price range that you're looking at? Do you have an idea of how much money you want to put down? Some people are adamant about taking that 15-year or 20-year mortgage. May not be the best decision, but that's what they want. I want to know what your needs are. I want to know what your goals are up front. So if I can come to you with a different approach, at least I know where your head is at and I can address that. So that's information-wise what you want. Documentation is very important in the mortgage industry. Now, while documentation is getting more automated literally by the week now, you have to provide less documents than maybe you did five years ago, there still is a lot of documentation. So what we're talking about is if you're an employee, a W-2 employee, we're gonna want recent pay stubs, specifically 30 days most recent pay okay. stubs, and W-2 forms from all the jobs that you've had for the last two years. So that's really important. Now, if you own multiple properties or have a business, then tax returns are important. Depending on the loan program, it could be one year of tax returns or two years of tax returns. You mentioned uh, investments, whether it's 401ks, pensions, or, or even whole life insurance. All right, let's say you have that or you don't have that. What about your own personal savings account? Does the bank even care or your lender? I should even presume bank. Does your lender care if... Well, this is going to strap this person. You know, they've got no slack in the bank, in their savings. Or do they want to see, you know what, this person's not even tapping into this account or this savings account or this whole life insurance policy mm -hmm. uh, where they've got money accumulated. Let's say it's even, I don't know, fifteen or $20,000 sure. that they're just going to keep squirreled away for an emergency or just in case something happens. Or do they want to see you using all your money? Which, which, do which they... is ideal. Of course, you don't want to use all your money. Okay. I mean, it's normal. If you're going to lend someone hundreds of thousands of dollars, do you want them to be tapped out? Or do you want them to have some savings and investments and things left Security over blanket after money, you know. So is it required? Absolutely not. I mean, I've seen people with high credit take loans and use every dime they've got and have no money in retirement after closing, Oof. have little to no money in their bank account. Yes, that's risky, but is it allowed? Absolutely. There are certain loan programs that won't penalize you. Now, what I've found doing this so long is that specific loan programs, mainly the conventional loan programs that are more in tune with reserves, how much money you have in the bank after closing, and the lower your credit score is, the more they want you to have. You got to compensate somewhere. So if you have a lower credit score, but you've got a bunch of money in a 401k or life insurance, cash value policy, things like that, that's going to really help offset that lower credit, or it's going to really help offset the fact that you have a high debt to income ratio because it gives the comfortability to the underwriter and ultimately to the investor that's funding your loan to say, even if they had a reduction in income, even if a tenant didn't pay them on one of these properties or one of these units, they have money set aside to take care of their obligations. Historically, people that have savings, they're gonna tap that savings when they hit a rough spot financially. So what you're referring to, Gary, we call it in the industry reserves, okay? okay? So depending on the loan program, you may or may not need it, but it's always a good thing. You never wanna tap yourself out, but for some people, it's just not possible. Okay, that makes sense. Folks, you're listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, along with... Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. You can check him out online at www.connecticutmortgagelending.com. Or if you want to make an appointment, if some of this uh, kind of intrigues you, I can't say I blame you. 
860-413-3938. I'll give you those points of contact. Uh, and, and once again, a little while when we get uh, closer to the end of the show. Rob, why is the initial consultation, why is that such an important step in the entire process? Yeah, I think that initial meeting with a mortgage lender, mortgage advisor is so important because it really establishes the baseline for the entire relationship with the mortgage advisor. You need to ask yourself the question, are we a good fit to work together? Mm. And just because someone has a good review online or just because they're a referral from a family member doesn't mean that they're the perfect person for you. Every single person has different needs and different communication styles. And it's really important because like we've talked about previously in building that wealth team, this may be something or someone that you're going to be dealing with for decades to come. So you want to set up, you know, start off and set up the relationship on the right footing with the right expectations. So you need to find out and you'll know very quickly, usually during that first one or two meetings and consultations, are they a good fit to work together? Do you feel good about working with them? We need to set the stage together on the plan of action and the timeline. Mm -hmm. Because what I've seen happen so many times is that people don't get approved up front, whether they're buying or refinancing, they don't get approved right away or they don't get the rate they want or they can't accomplish their goals and then they throw in the towel and that's it. Well, that's the wrong approach. What if we set you up with a strategy where three months from now or six months from now, you could accomplish your goals. No. Now you'd wanna deal with that person because they set you up on a plan. And unfortunately, what I see happen a lot, specifically with young people in the mortgage industry, young, I mean new in the industry, maybe they've been in the mortgage industry less than a couple years and they're just churning and burning. They're talking to who they can. If they get them approved, great. If they don't, they kick you to the curb. That's an amateur mistake. And I built my entire mortgage advisory practice on staying in contact, communicating over long periods of time with people and setting them up for success. So that's really why you uh, need to do that mortgage consultation and set up that important step very early in the process to determine, can you buy or refi now or is there work to be done? And what is your long-term goal? Well, to that point then, uh, what are some of our, our listeners, what should they be asking their lender at this initial meeting? I think the first question that you need to be asking your lender or finding out from them is, what's your experience doing mortgages? How long have you been doing loans? What positions have you held in the mortgage industry? This is probably your biggest investment that you're going to make when sure. it comes to your home and real estate. Mm -hmm. Do you want somebody that's brand new handling that? Or do you want someone that's seasoned, that's done thousands of transactions, that knows the different loan programs and has the reputation to back it up? And I think even more important than that is what makes you different from other lenders? Because oh, yeah. there's thousands and thousands of mortgage lenders out there. You can go on Google or anywhere and type in mortgage or mortgage lender near me and see so many different options. But what makes one different versus another. I mean, they all have very similar interest rates. We all have a lot of the same loan programs, but the big difference is going to be that expertise, that experience, and those reviews and ratings. There's got to be some red flags that we need to be aware of when, though, when we, when we meet with a mortgage advisor, right? Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of red flags. So if you're being rushed through the process, if your questions are being ignored, if they're not being answered or they're kind of beating around the bush, that's a big red flag. If your lender is being rude or inconsiderate or disrespectful to you, 
probably time to look at another advisor. And if they talk down to you and are condescending, that's a big thing. I really like to educate my clients and treat every opportunity to show someone and educate them on why the answer to the question is what it is. So another thing that you want to be asking your lender about going back to the last question is how can you guys communicate best? Like, are they best on text or email or phone calls? What do they prefer? And what are the hours that they're available? That's got to mesh with you. And if it's not going to, then that's a red flag for you that that you may want another different lender. And um, also, who's on their team? Do they have a loan processor? Do they have an assistant? Do they have these other people that you're going to be dealing with? You usually in the mortgage industry going to be dealing with multiple people or a team of people. So it's important that you know who that is. And if you're getting a mortgage and maybe you've had challenges, I think it's great to ask them, hey, do you have experience dealing with someone who had the same challenge that I had? Because you want to bring that to the surface on the initial call and you want to see how they can help you overcome and the experience that they've helped other people to overcome similar challenges. Well, then under what circumstance then should a person shop around for another lender after that initial consultation? Absolutely. So I think it's unfortunate because a lot of people are just taught shop around for the lowest rate. And like we've talked about on previous episodes, I'm a huge proponent that the advice that you're getting is way more important than the price. The strategy that you're getting is so much more important than the actual rate that you're going to pay or the monthly payment. So with that said, you do want to look at other lenders and you do want to shop around if you're in a situation where the communication style just doesn't jive. You know, even if someone has that bottom barrel rate, if they aren't good at communicating with you, if your personalities aren't enmeshing uh, together, then that's probably a situation where you're going to look for somebody that's more in tune with you. Um, Also, if you just get that gut feeling, that bad feeling that maybe you're being taken advantage of or they're, again, beating around the bush, they're not answering you straightforward, it's time to look at another option for you of another lender. If the ratings and reviews of the lender you're working with don't get you excited to work with them, then you might want to look at another option because any lender that's been doing this any even a short length of time should have dozens or hundreds of reviews online. So that's really important. And when these red flags come up, you want to look for another lender. You want to get another yeah. opinion and then make a decision. Uh, good advice. So then finally, I go maybe about a minute, minute and a half remaining. What are some of the common mistakes that, that people make during the mortgage process that can sabotage their efforts for really the best loan they could have gotten? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things, like we were kind of alluding to, is the shopping around. Well, once you find a trusted lender that you feel good about, just stick with them. Go with them. Don't complicate the process. If you start shopping around after you go through the whole consultation and give all the documents and all that, it's going to put you at a disadvantage because those credit inquiries are going to show on your credit and it's going to come up at the end with underwriting. So that's a big no-no. Also, once you're kind of moving in the process, don't get advice from friends and family that have no experience. You know, Everyone <laughs> wants to be the expert uh, about it just because their uncle's son's brother's cousin bought a house 12 years ago doesn't mean that it applies to what you're doing today. So I find a lot of people get bad advice and they get paralysis about moving forward because they get that from people. Another one is once they're moving forward in the process, they don't communicate well with their loan officer. Like we keep talking about, you want to have that 
open line of communication, emailing, texting, phone calls, find out what's best and stick to that. We understand everyone's busy, but I think getting back to a text or an email or a missed call or voicemail within maybe 12 hours, 24 hours max, but hopefully within 12 hours, mm -hmm. I think that that's realistic. And the last big no-no that people do that sabotages their mortgage process is making large deposits into their bank, taking out new debts, changing their income or job, or making major purchases that could derail their qualification. Very valuable information. We're just about at the end of our show, folks. If you'd like to know more about this, uh, please check out their website, www.ConnecticutMortgageLending.com. Once again, ConnecticutMortgageLending.com. Maybe you've got a question that you think others could benefit uh, to hear the answers to. Uh, simply email us at this radio show, Mortgage Matters radio show at gmail.com hey who knows maybe we can get your question answered as soon as next week and if you'd like to schedule a meeting maybe your first consultation with rob that's easy to do as well 860-413-3938 i'll repeat that for you write it down 860-413-3938 for rob weinberg i'm gary byron thank you so much for listening to mortgage matters radio show and the connecticut real estate edge podcast until next week have a good one everybody so long thanks for listening if you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting www.robgw.com.